Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. everyone, this is your host Kelly from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. We're so thankful for you and our community, so we want to keep you informed of what we're doing as we step into our next phase of growth. For the month of December and moving forward, we will have a podcast sponsor, which will help fund Storytellers Live and allow us to continue expanding. Local gatherings are at the heart of our ministry, and so we're excited to help new cities launch their own Storytellers groups. As we make this move into podcast sponsorship, we do want you to know that we will never have a sponsor who sells something we don't believe in or a product or a service that we do not love. Our first two sponsors are actually previous storytellers, and so we're excited to highlight their businesses. We would love for you to support our sponsors and just know that in turn, that helps our ministry move forward. You'll be hearing from our first sponsor, Holland & Birch, later in the episode. Over the last couple of years, we've hosted two parenting panels where several women would share their stories and experiences of parenting from a Christian faith-based perspective. These panels have been among our most popular gatherings and podcast episodes. There is such a huge benefit to hearing collective wisdom and shared experiences. So today's episode is a panel of three moms, Peggy, Mallory, and Pam, who shared at the Birmingham 280 gathering. The key word you'll hear pop up repeatedly is intentional, so I advise you to grab a pen and pad so you can take some notes on the ideas and suggestions these moms share. The women cover lots of topics including sibling conflict, girl drama, sports team tryouts, technology, social media, and most importantly, investing in your children's spiritual growth. Here's Peggy, Mallory, and Pam. Good morning. My name is Peggy Grody, and I'm married to Steve Grody. I have two stepdaughters and two sons. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. My dad was a college golf coach at the University of Houston, and my mom was a hardworking, stay-at-home mom. Um, I had one brother. Um, We attended church multiple times a week. My parents set a wonderful example of how to navigate both life, both having humble spirits and setting great examples. They love God, their country, their children, and they loved each other. I taught third grade for 10 years, taught Sunday school, different served in different committees at my church. My husband and I have lived in um, Houston, Texas, Caracas, Venezuela, Orange County, California, and Birmingham, Alabama. Our sons graduated from, uh, one graduated from Briarwood High School and the other from Spain Park. They both went to Auburn, business degrees. Um, I am a honey, which means grandmother in some <laughs> language, I'm sure, um, that has, um, and I have seven step-grandchildren. I have three little girls, one in heaven and two that live here in this house. Good morning. My name is Pam Morton, and um, I am married to Alex Morton, and we pretty much grew up right here in this area. We went to Pelham High School and met there. 
We actually met before then. We went to the seventh grade Valentine's dance together at River Chase Middle. So we've known each other a long time and dated a long time um, and both went to Alabama. And then, um, which we laugh and say, there was a dark year or so in there. And our kids are like, when are we going to hear about the dark years? We're like, it's just because we broke up. We don't, you know. (laughs) So, um, but it was meant to be. We got back together and we've been married for 25 years. We have... um, Three kids. Our oldest graduated from Oak Mountain. It's a boy, and he's at Clemson right now. He's a senior. And then our, our daughter is 19. She graduated from Oak Mountain, and she's also at Clemson. She's a sophomore. And our youngest is a boy, 19, and he's, I mean, not, uh, 17, and he's at Oak Mountain. He's a junior. And um, I was trying to think what else. Oh, I guess about myself, I, um, I, Got my PhD in health education, but by the time I I finished, I was already having kids. So basically, I've been a stay-at-home mom and dabbled a little bit in adjunct professor at Sanford. And my husband um, works here, and that's about it. So, (laughs) Hey, everybody. I'm Mallory Carrington. Um, So I am a Christ follower, a wife to Matt, my husband, for almost 20 years. Um, which is hard to believe because it's really gone super fast. And um, a mom to five of the biggest blessings in my life. I've got um, Wills is my oldest, and he's 16. I had to write their ages down. (laughs) I can see one. Owen is 15, Kate's 13, Gray's 11, and Avery is 9. So I actually grew up in a big family. Um, I have four sisters, so I'm one of five. I'm in the middle. I have two older and two younger, which means I'm that typical middle child, you know, always wanting everybody to be happy. Um, And my dad, a funny little fact is my dad was actually an NFL football player, and he had five girls. So that's evidence that God has a sense of humor. (laughs) That's, you know, that's really sad for him, but we all played sports growing up, and and he's got lots of grandsons. So... Um, I'm from Atlanta, originally Marietta, right outside of Atlanta, and I I went to Auburn, and that's where Matt and I met, and we moved to Birmingham about 19 years ago from Atlanta, and we love it here. Um, When we moved, we started going to Church of the Highlands, and it was a new church that had just started, and we never left because it was something that we'd never... It was unlike any church we'd ever been to, and so we just never left. We never looked anywhere else. Um, My kids go to Oak Mountain Schools, and um, I'm just honored to be here today, and I certainly don't consider myself an expert at all, and I know a lot of these women here that y'all have so much wisdom, too, so um, I think we all can agree that that we're just here to share our story so awesome and i'm amy grody i know ashley said that earlier um and i'm on the storytellers bham 280 team and we have come up with these questions our team has and we gave them to these women and they've prepared um to answer them and also this is my mother-in-law so (laughs) i'm so excited aren't i lucky i don't know about that Okay, so let's get started. All right, so Mallory and Pam, the first question is for you. What was one thing in parenting you worried too much about that you now think was a waste of time? And with that, what do you wish you had spent more time on? Yeah, I'll go. (laughs) Um, This one I have for the first part is a more serious answer and then the second one's not. But um, I, um, as I look back on having my kids at home, I worried so much on their day to day. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would tell myself I prayed about it and 
but then I don't think I truly, I know I did not truly give it over to God because then it's the minute I'd turn around for my prayers and I would worry like, oh gosh, you know, what if um, hope doesn't get us to a dance or something, you know, silly that really in the scheme of things doesn't matter that I wish I could just put them at the foot of the cross and left them there. And then I think I would have had a more peaceful mothering experience so um and I think that's just as I've grown my view of God as I understand that that's gotten bigger it's been easier to do um and then I wish I would have spent more time on teaching my kids to cook so (laughs) when they're at college they're like why didn't you teach me to do this I'm like I know I should have so um but I still have one left at home that I can work more on that but that is a skill that when they'll really love their mom for teaching them that. And, you know, we all want them to look back and be like, my mama taught me this. So um, spending more time on teaching them to cook. So that's really interesting that Pam said that because mine is I wish I would, and I still wish I would do this. I mean, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm certainly better than I was, you know, four or five years ago that um, less time worrying and more time just trusting God. And so I think the, the biggest thing, you know, the things that worry us usually are the things that weigh the heaviest on our hearts, which is my kids and my family. I mean, I just feel like there's just constantly bombarded with all these, you know, like I'm responsible for their, for their well-being and their future. And, and that's really not the truth, you know, that God has given us these kids and he's entrusted us to be their mom. And so I really um, have done this better as I've gotten older over the past four or five years, especially of just um, giving it to God. And, and it's hard to do. And that's easy to say, oh, don't worry give it to God but but just trusting God with everything and just kind of saying that you're going to carry my worry that I don't have to um and I have to do that on a daily like every day you know because the, the day starts over and it's the same thing um so so that's that's the biggest thing for me I think is just less time worrying and more time trusting God mm. okay that's amazing can we all just like we're good, we're good. <laughs> yeah. feel so wise now um, that actually goes great into my next question, which is for all three of you. How do you invest or how do you invest daily and just all the time with your children spiritually? Well, one of the things that we did was we took them to church, obviously. And um, the other thing that we did or that I tried to do was when they had questions or they had or when they came to us with something, I tried to withhold any kind of judgment. Because I just think that's a great way to just shut them down. And so, um, like, uh, Davey went to Briarwood. Travis went to Briarwood for a while. But um, I really just tried to withhold judgment and listen to them. Because, let's face it, the whole world, nobody can figure this whole religion thing out. So I just tried to, you know, give my input in just really careful ways and so that they wouldn't shut down. Um, with um, with my kids, I'll focus more on what we did as middle school and up. But um, when I could get on the way to school, especially with my youngest, because he was the only one I was driving, we would do a devotional every day. And we got, it's called FCA Impact Play, and our, we're very sporty families. So it would just be emailed to my phone, and he would take my phone, and it would have a, a Bible verse, a devotion. They had questions that we could go over in a prayer. And it pretty much took the time from our house to middle school, and it was just special times to start the day off like that. And if I would forget, he'd be, hey, you got that that devotional. So he would remind me. So I know it meant a lot to 
to him too. And then as my two oldest went to college, one day um, they started going, well, my oldest son went to, he goes to a church, where Church of the Highlands also, um, called New Spring, and it's very similar. So they have an app and you can listen to the sermons. And he called me and said, oh my gosh, we, I heard the best sermon on Sunday. And I was like, well, I'm going to listen to it. So I downloaded the app and now I listen to every sermon that my kids wow. listen to and we can talk about it. So this last week it was um, my daughter called and she goes, oh my gosh, it was such an embarrassing, I guess she was with a group of kids and it was um, pornography and she was like, that was so embarrassing and we didn't have a lot to say about it, but we could laugh about it and, you know, that I'm kind of on the same page with them and we can talk about things. So that was, that's been a big um, way to keep our spiritual conversations going even while they're in college. Um, for us, I think, for Matt and I, I think the biggest thing you'll hear me probably say a few times is being intentional. Um, the number one goal for Matt and I and our kids is that they know Jesus. Like, that's our number one goal as parents. Um, and so, you know, you talk about at home what's most important to you. So we talk about it a lot. You know, we talk about our faith. We, we talk about Jesus a lot. We listen to praise music a lot. Um, you know, anything we can do to kind of speak life into them, Matt and I want to do. Um, another thing that our kids know that we pray for them every day. Like, um, Matt is a, an amazing prayer warrior. And, and we have specific things. Now, Matt and I aren't praying together. I wish I could say that Matt and I prayed together every morning. <laughs> Awesome. But I know that we are praying for the same things for our kids. You know, the first thing we're praying for is their heart, that they'll have a heart that knows God, that knows Jesus. You know, we're praying for protection. We're praying for their health. We're praying for good Christian friends. We're praying for, um, you know, to that, for them to, um, let me look at my notes, y'all, <laughs> for them to have a heart for God. If we're praying for a godly spouse, pure thoughts, I mean, all these things, we're praying for them daily. And our kids know that. Um, so we decided... Well, we didn't. Matt did that. He wanted to have like a Carrington motto. And so we came up as a family that we were going to love God, love us and love others. So the kids all know that like we love God first. He's going to be first in our family. And then, you know, a lot of times just people think, oh, it's love others, you know, next. But with our kids, like we got a big family. So we have a lot of fighting and we have a lot of, <laughs> a, a lot of words that are not kind to each other. So we were like, you know, we want to keep our family really important. So we're going to put love us next and then love others third. So the kids kind of know that that's what our family stands for. Um, you know, get your kids involved in some sort of youth group, be it wildlife, young life, find a, if your church doesn't have a youth group, find where their friends are going or get their friends to come and put them somewhere else where they're being fed truth. Um, you know, because, you know, I know you've all heard this before, you know, show me your friends, show me your future. I mean, that's, that's so true with kids. And, um, and we want our kids to have friends that, that know Jesus too. Um, when they were little, we did, you know, little quiet times at night. If y'all have ever heard of the story with Bible, it's amazing. Like, I like to read the storybook Bible. Like, I get a lot out of it. And my my 12 year, my 11-year-old, I just finished going through it with him again, and he still likes it. So if you don't have it, get it. It's like you read through the Bible, and um, it's an easy way to spend time with them at night. So Very good. Thank you. All right, so Mallory kind of touched on our next question a little bit. 
sibling sibling fighting. Does anybody have that going on? Ever? <laughs> I feel like it's a daily minute by minute battle. So, any tips? Um, this is for Mallory and Peggy. Any tips on sibling um, parenting siblings with different personalities? I should be able to write a book on this. Mine, mine couldn't be any different. I mean, any more different. They. Um, I think the, one of the most important things to do is recognize that mm-hmm. there's not a script for these ki- for kids. I mean, there's not a consistent thing that you would do with every child because it doesn't work for every. Ch- you know, things are different. And I remember when they were very young, we were at our pediatrician and um, Dr. Watson, a female. I loved her, loved her, but I was talking about them and said something like. Well, you know, he does this, but he, you know, he's, uh, and she said, they're different and they have a right to be. And I went, oh, okay, okay. So that just resonated with me, I guess. I've got something in my eye. And I, I guess I just always, that stuck with me because it's true. I mean, if anybody in here would probably say, my kids are nothing alike. I mean, they're just, they're not, they're no two people are alike. Let's face it. We all have different things. So that's kind of where I recognize that and just learn to treat them differently. Um, yeah, all mine are really different. Like I have oh, five. two. <laughs> so I've got two really strong-willed children. And my mother-in-law's here, so she can totally back me up on this. <laughs> two strong-willed children. I've got two easy kids. Then I've got a teenage daughter in there, so I don't really know where she goes from quite yet. She's just like on a whole category by herself. <laughs> but, but... You know, like, so I don't parent my strong-willed kids the same way I parent my easy kids because I don't have to, um, if that makes sense. Like, my, um, we did spank. You can edit that out if it's you okay, want. It's okay, it's um, okay. <laughs> but, but the, like, some of our kids needed spankings, and then some of them, all I had to do was threaten a spanking, and they were like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. So, so I, you know, like you were saying, they're so different, and you can't parent, dif- parent the same, and you can't um, discipline the same, because what works for one kid isn't going to work for another kid. At least that's what I've seen in our family. Um, So, you know, like with discipline, you'd kind of find what hurts the heart. And for some of them, it was spanking. And now that they're older, you know, taking their phone away really hurts their heart. It hurts it a lot. And so I I almost wish they would, like, be disobedient so I can take the phone. But, um, you know, with what Peggy said, like, know your child's uniqueness and how God values them. I think that's important, and I try to do that. Um, And then the Lord equipped you to be your child's mom. You know, nobody else can do it like you can. And so you have to have confidence in that. And, um, you know, I also believe that, you know, I had to take my younger son to counseling because he was trying to overtake his birth order, kind of, they were 13 months apart. He was trying to kind of be the the firstborn, and that really wasn't his place. And so, like counseling, figure it out. Educate yourself on strong-willed children. There's a book for that. Uh, Shepherding the Child's Heart, there's a book for that, you know. Um, And then the birth order book, personality test. Just, you know, know your child and appreciate their their uniqueness. And I can add to that. Yeah. Mallory's like, does your kids not fight? Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you later yeah. about that. <laughs> no, they fought. And there were times I was like, do they love each other? Like, how is this going to end up? I want my family to love each other. But what I found is as they grew, that they had to respect each other. And once they respected each other, they would still fight, but it was more, it was very healthy. They still fight, but it was, it's more of a healthy fight. Mm-hmm. But um, before they learn to respect each other and their differences. Um, so that was, pa- 
parenting saying, well, that's how, that is how your sister is. Like, that's how she is. So you've got to learn that you're not going to change that. Like y'all learn to figure it out and work together. And so, um, that was a long road and we're still on it, but I think helping your kids respect one another helps with the fighting. Okay. So our next question is, what are your thoughts on ways to foster an open relationship and dialogue with your children so that they're sharing feelings and their emotions with you instead of um, holding it all in to themselves? Okay, I had boys. So, you know, you, you don't get a lot from those, the guys. They don't, they don't just come up and say, Mom, I'd like to share my feelings. You, know, really? okay. you talk to the daughter-in-law. Right. You, yes, yeah. now, now. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah, were yeah. you when I needed you? Yeah. No. <laughs> one of the things that I learned that it wasn't my idea, I heard it somewhere, but it's one of the best things that I ever did with my boys. I would, it would always be separately, one-on-one. But I would paint, it, this, this thing said to paint pictures for them of what you see for their life. Um, I see I see you, you know, when you're grown up, I think you'll be a great husband. I, I think you'd be a great father. I know that you'll do well at whatever you choose to do professionally. Uh, but just, just that sort of thing. And then it's like you've given them your your goals, your dreams for them, and you've given them um, a chance to to open up, to comment a little bit, to, and, and you've tell, tell, told them, I think you're great. Mm-hmm. I, think you're, I think you're wonderful. And I think there's a great place for you in this world. So that's one of the things that I did, that, and they real, it, it's amazing how well they responded. That's great. I need to take notes on I that. Yeah. I like that. Where's, where's my pen? I thought you were talking about literally painting. I'm like, wow. You know me. No. <laughs> I gotta get the canvas out. Oh I can't. Gosh. I can't even do paint by number. I'm glad it wasn't yeah. a little. Right. 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 <laughs> I was just going to say that alone time is the best way to get my kids to open up. Um, I wish I would have started it earlier with my older two. I mean, now I naturally have a lot of alone time with my son that's still at home. But um, carving in that time to just go to, you know, pick the son up from practice instead of going straight home, go to dinner. You know, have something at the house for the other kids. And um, because that's really when I can get them talking is just getting them alone and then sometimes and I wouldn't force it because sometimes it would be all surface stuff but then you never know when that time would be that they would you'd look back like wow that was a great that was a great conversation mm-hmm. but make that time for a long time um I think you know I read somewhere recently that your home is like a safe space like a, a dumping ground for your kids emotional um, and social needs, like they come home and they, they, that needs to be a safe place. So for us, um, you know, we say, we kind of try to give our kids that security. We are constantly saying, I love you, like to the point where it's, um, it's kind of sweet. Now our kids, like I'll drop off my 15 year old somewhere with his friends and be like, bye mom, I love you, you know, because he's just heard that. So we just always have said that, like our kids know that they are loved at home. So I think you can create that in your home by telling your kids that a lot and it gives them that security, which they need. Um, and so I'm a fixer. So like my boys don't tell me a whole lot unless I'm like 
if we're at Taco Bell, like feeding them, you know, like, right. like that's, when, they, that's them, when you get their attention. Up, but, <laughs> but I found that my kids don't want me to fix everything. That's what I want to do. I want to fix it. Like they'll tell me something. And a lot of times, like by doing what I'm telling them to do, it would fix it, you know? And I'm like, I wish, but they don't want me to do that. They want me to listen. And I'll never forget Sonia, my, my sweet mother-in-law told me one time, if your boys start talking, don't make any sudden movements. <laughs> Slowly yeah. put whatever you're doing so down. True. But it's true, and it, it's kind of like I need to listen more. Like she doesn't need me to solve all her problems, you know, because I can get real wordy and I'll start talking and talking. But all all she wants me to do is listen. So I, I try to be better at that. I um, I mean, I have to work at it, but um, but you know, so don't always be a fixer. Um, and then um. Just, you know, if you can be home when your kids get home from stuff, I think that's really a great gift. So, um, and if you can't be home, just be available on their terms. And it's not always on yours. And I've had to miss a lot of things that I want to go to or I want to do because it really was on their terms. They were talking and I had to be like, okay, you know, this is is my chance to to listen. Wow. Very good, very good. Um, okay, so our next question is on friendships, and this is for Pam and Mallory. So how do you help your child handle conflict with friends or a friend group? And we know in this day that happens a lot with the social media and bullying, and we see articles all the time about kids that have taken their own lives because they've been bullied and there's conflict within friend groups. Um, also, part of that, girl drama. So if there's girl drama that's happened, we'd love some advice on that, how you handled it. And um, what about when you really don't like or you do like that friend that's causing the conflict? Okay. Well, we um, we had, like most teenage girls, a lot of girl drama in the house um, with friends. And my daughter's very sensitive, so it affected her greatly. Mm-hmm. She wasn't one that could just um, keep going when what she saw wasn't... Um, in a healthy friendship. So we spent a lot of time up in her room praying, talking it through, crying, <laughs> and me just being with her because she would sometimes couldn't pull it together to go to maybe something she was supposed to go to. Or um, there were times that I would go, and I don't know if this is great parenting or not, but it worked for us. She would call me and say, I can't, I can't do lunch today. And I would go check her out. We would go sit in a park and eat lunch, and I would check her back in. So um, not that I wanted to enable what the problems, but there were just true feelings for her, and I felt like that's what I need to do to help her get through it. Now, I wouldn't do that every day, (laughs) but there were times that I was like, yes, I will do that. And so when we got the questions, I happened to get to go to Clemson this weekend and get to talk to my daughter, and I thought, okay, I'm going to ask her what... What was what helped her through it? Because I know I could talk for hours, but just hearing it more concisely from her and she was um, it led to a great conversation where she she's the one that brought up about how I loved how you would check me out for lunch. And we had that time together. So um, so that and she said, you know, you really just told me to um, rise above. She goes, in my mind, I keep hearing rise above all the time and kill them with kindness. She goes, those two terms I still, in my mind, will will listen to. And um, 
And then she said that, you know, the praying a lot helped her, even at the time she didn't, you know, probably in her mind, like, well, it's not getting any better, you know, but she said praying and relying on Jesus has set her up to leave home and go to college and truly rely on Jesus and look for friendships that were healthy. And she joined a small group right when she got to college. And um, but if she had not, she said if she had not gone through that, she doesn't know if she would rely on Jesus like she does now. So as hard as girl drama is or any kind of um, situations that your kids go through, the working it out together is going to just be worth it in the end. And so we were in the car and she was, we were talking about it and she goes, oh, this song just reminds me of the time, all, my time back in school. And she put it in and it's Taylor Swift, best day ever. If you ever want to have a good cry with your daughter, listen to that song. The tears were flowing and it just, oh, it's just the sweetest, you know, family daughter moment. And um, anyway, so that's just a side note that um, we can laugh and cry happy tears looking back on the struggles that she went through. And I cannot wait to laugh and cry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's coming. So thank you for encouraging I me. I promise it'll happen. Um, so, you know, girls are hard. Um, when my boys were little, like, they were so physically exhausting. And the girls were kind of easy. But it, like, totally has flipped. Like, my boys are super easy. And um, my girls are just a lot. And they're a lot. They're extra. I think that's what you said. <laughs> um, but for for my daughter, you know, she's in middle school. So she is also very sensitive. Um, and I think with a sensitivity, um, sometimes you get walked on or you get walked all over. Mm-hmm. And so what we're dealing with right now, actually, is, you know, that she's got to stand up. She's got to be kind. I mean, I want her to be kind. But there's a certain point where you have to stand up for yourself and you have to say, this is not a healthy friendship. This is not a healthy relationship. I'm going to be kind, but I'm going to guard my heart and I'm going to pull back from that relationship. And that's really what I'm trying to help her do with certain friendships right now. Um, If you've ever read the book, um, 10 Ultimate Truths Every Girl Should Know, Carrie Compacus, if you haven't, it's a great book for girls. And in the first chapter, she talks about a 50-50 friend. And I've had to go through that with my daughter. Like, what is a real friend and what is a 50-50 friend? And be able to recognize that. And, like, I wrote some of the characteristics about 50-50 friend. And you might have 50-50 friends. You know, they're hot and cold. They're available on their terms. They mess with your mind. They're competitive. You know, all these things, they might be fun to be with for 50% of the time. But the other 50, it's it's too much, you know, and it, and it brings them down. So I've had to kind of help her how to be bold with that, how to set boundaries and how to be kind, but also be willing to stand up for herself and saying, I'm not going to let you treat me like that. Um, and so that's been something um, that that we're really continuing to work on. But I think, you know, get your girls and your boys involved with other people that will speak truth and life into them, whether it be grandparents, young life leaders, small group leaders, church. I mean, they need uh, your friend's parents that you know will speak life into them. Like, they need lots of avenues coming at them speaking truth and life. Um And then don't assume that your child cannot do any wrong. That's what I I mean. I always assume when my kids tell me so, I'm always kind of like, 
what what did you do? You know, I mean, like, because I, I mean, it goes both ways sometimes. I mean, so I, I do try to not assume that my child is perfect and didn't say anything mean or ugly. And, you know, you have to um, kind of deal with that, too. Um, but, you know, going along with what Pam says, like, the speaking truth and being able to find your worth, not in your friends, but in Christ, like just telling her, you know, you are a daughter of the most high king. Like you've got to find your worth. You're not going to find it in your friends. You're not going to find it in the world. You're going to just find it in who you are in Christ. And so if you can speak that, write it on their mirrors, put Bible verses all over where they're constantly being bombarded with that. Um, you know, I think then they'll always remember that their worth isn't coming from that friend who's making them feel really bad. Um, you know, it hurts. I'm not discounting or discrediting that it hurts, but um, that, that, that they'll know that, you know, that their worth is found in Christ. Very good. Okay, so our next question is for all of you. Um, how honest do you feel you have to be with your kids about your mistakes? And if they ask you questions, do you always answer them honestly? Me? All of you. <laughs> well, I think we talked about this. I think it has to be age appropriate, right? One thing and all, and that sort of thing. But um, I did. I I did try to. To be on, to be with my dealings with them, I tried to be very honest about. Yes, I messed up there. I I made a, I made a mistake. I was too harsh. I was too mean. I was too whatever to you. I was. I I think that's really important because I think being able to acknowledge that sort of thing in life is really really one of the big keys to to being happy and to being happy with someone else because. If if you if you're always right, that's that's a burden. I mean, you know, that's a burden, and it's also hard for the person that's trying to live with you, or trying to be with you, or for your children, because your your kids are glad to know that you you've messed up, or you've made mistakes, or you've they because they're going to make mistakes, and they don't want to feel like I'm living with this icon of virtue here that that never made a mistake. It, I think that's really really important to tell them that we all mess up. And what a great um, picture of grace. So the more we can mirror mirror that in our family, it'll help them have grace for others and then also be able to accept the grace of Mm, what Jesus did for us on the cross. I mean, I think honesty is great. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to tell my nine-year-old the same thing I tell a college-age student if they ask me a question about my past. But um, I think honesty is important, but I don't think you have to overshare. You know, I think if there's something, you can be honest about it, uh, not give too much information, focus more on, you know, uh, why you wish that wouldn't have happened or the regret that you had or how you wish you would have done something differently. Um, but I mean, I, I would say in line with what Peggy said, like, you don't want to paint this picture that you've never done anything wrong, that you're a perfect parent and, you know, saying I'm sorry and telling, you know, where you messed up. I, I think it's healthy. I think it's good. I wanted to take a brief moment to interrupt our episode today and mention our first podcast sponsor, Holland & Birch. Holland & Birch is a Southern boho jewelry maker that has based their business on stories. As a matter of fact, you might hear their owner, Suzanne Jones, on one of our future episodes. 
Go visit hollandandbirch.com and see why their motto is purchase with a purpose. You can grab some jewelry for yourself or a loved one while giving back through their fundraisers tab. Check out their one-of-a-kind earrings, cuffs, bracelets, and necklaces at hollandandbirch.com for the perfect holiday gift. You can follow the link in our show notes to hollandandbirch.com, which is H-O-L-L-A-N-D-A-N-D-B-I-R-C-H. Com. All right. So our next question is, how do you keep the connection with your husband when your kids were at home or are at home? How do you keep that connection? And well, this is for all of you. Okay. This, this, is a, this is a great question mm-hmm. because um, as mothers, we are a first force of nature. I mean, we are literally a force of nature. When you, I mean, anybody watch all those shows that they do on eight, on Netflix and about nature? It's always that mama that's out there taking care of them. She's the one that teaches them. She's the one that shows them how to survive. She's the one that, we are literally a force of nature. But I'm going to use your word again because I've written it on my thing several times. But with our husbands, we have to be intentional sometimes. It's not always just, oh, darling, you're home. So, I mean, you're, you know, it, things are, it's real life. And you have to be intentional. You have to have a date night. You have to have a time where you spend time together. Because if that's not working, this other stuff with your kids, is it's hard to make that work. And we have to realize that everybody has needs and wants. And and if they're going out and working every day and doing all that, and it's not easy. And they get knocked down a lot. And we need to be there for them as well as our kids, mm-hmm. for sure. Yes, this uh, question was very convicting. (laughs) I realized as I was thinking through what I would say that really my husband is much more intentional with our relationship than I am. And I think it's because I just have that mama heart, right? You know, and I've put my kids, I don't want to say, you know, I know you're supposed to put your husband first, but so much of my worries and my thoughts have gone towards my kids. But what we have done good at is... um, making the best of moments that um, when we're at home, like we have the porch. We love the porch. We will drink coffee together. Um, In the afternoons, we'll go out there and talk together. We go on walks together. Um, You know, my husband loves sunsets. We, he's like, oh, we gotta go on a sunset walk. So we'll go on a sunset walk. So we haven't been the best at like Every week we're doing a date night, but we have been really good at staying connected by just taking those moments that um, special moments, special moments that aren't big moments, but pretty much daily moments and staying connected. I just don't want to take the credit. He's better at that. I think like with with most things, the order matters a lot and it matters to God. So, you know, God's first. And the next relationship that's most important is Matt, my husband, and then the next is the kids. And I think a lot of times it's really easy, especially when they're young, for the kids to kind of take the place of the spouse, sometimes take the place of God because they're your everything. Um, And so I just think order is so important. And if you can remember that and if you can reset the order, it it just helps a lot. And like for Matt, you know, sometimes work goes before me and we have to kind of reset that order. I mean, we have to be willing to communicate. So communication Mm -hmm. is so important. And I'm the type that I don't really 
want to commute, like I want him to recognize that I'm not feeling very happy with how things are going right now. But he doesn't, he doesn't know that. I mean, he's not going to read that. I have to communicate. Like, I really think we need to go out on a date. I think, I feel like we need to go to dinner. And it's easier now that the kids are older. I, I would say when the kids are younger, if you have young kids, get a babysitter. Like, we had Sonia and David, and they would help us out whenever they wanted. But, like, hire a babysitter so y'all can go do stuff. If you need one, I've got a babysitter for you. Like, you can use her. But um, I think that that's... You know, they're going to be fine for a couple hours. Go spend time with the person that's supposed to come before your kids. That should come before your kids. So I think if you can always be able to look look at that from the outside and say, where's my order? You know, is it in the right order? I think that's good. Well, that goes right into the next question with the order. So what things does, did your family or does your family do to keep the family order first or Jesus, God first, husband second, family um, next. So what kind of events, activities, traditions, memories um, spark the family first for y'all? Well, my, my family that I grew up in, I, I mentioned that my dad was a coach. My dad loved all sports. And this is really tragic, but it's the truth. Our family dynamic was we watched sports together. I mean, that's what we did. We watched football. We watched golf. We watched baseball. We watched it all. I mean, because that's what my dad loved, and that, and we all just got in line. In fact, one uh, not too long ago, Steve, we were with some people, and, and somebody asked Steve, what's the name of that guy? Well, this was, I mean, my mom died a few years ago, but before she, what's the name of that guy that was the middle, um, he was the one of the guards for the Minnesota Vikings or whatever. There were two of them, and, and, and Steve said, well, one of them's, hold on, I'll call my mother-in-law. Jenny, what? oh, she just gave it to him. I mean, before the internet. Yes, yes. My, my, my kids would actually, when she'd come to visit, would get out their sports trivia cards and, you know, she would name, she would give the answer before they finished the question. I mean, that's how much we were into it. And that sort of followed into our family. And, and especially having boys, it was really easy because we just plugged them right in there with us. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we did. The other thing that we tried to do was to have some dinners. And even though I'm a terrible cook, I tried to cook some. Don't say anything, Shelly. Um, but she knows I'm a bad cook. Anyway, um, so, but, we, you know, it's, it's just important to have your family together and to see that how each of you treat each other and how you, how you live together. Because it's just something that we, you have in common. That's, and that's what we did. That was our family dynamic, sadly. But that's it. <laughs> I mean, we did church. Fun, we did, yeah, it was fun, but that's what we did. Right. The, um, that's what I was going to focus on is the fun. Like, just um, uh, something that was big in our family is family dinners. So we would always make sure no phones at the table, family dinner, and just tell stories and laugh and be together. Yes, so fun. And um, we came up, I'm sure other people, I don't know, if we, I feel like we came up with the game, but I think other people played the game too. It's probably like an icebreaker for my husband's work or something. But you, um, we started every night. We would have um, you came up with three stories. Two were true, and one was a lie. And then we would pick. Okay, like after Hope told her stories, we'd be like, "Oh, you know, the you taught Champ to jump through a hoop is the fake story." You know. So, but as it went on, we kept like we would think about our day and we'd try to come up with these stories that happened to us and 
make each other trip them up on which one was our lie. So that was really fun. We still talk about the stories that remember when hope, you know, so, um, but that was a fun way, not only just talking about our day, but just to laugh and be together. And then we do this other um, game and my mom will witness it because she was even had to be in the game on her birthday and um, felt kind of bad about that. But we play a quarter flip game and it, it's like an odd or even and whoever's the last man standing has to clean the whole kitchen oh, after dinner. Oh, oh, so that's oh. how we clean our kitchen. Is. Yeah. So and it, it's the, then we had to come up with all these rules like if you hit the ceiling, you're out. If you lose your quarter, you're out. If you don't put it on the table, you're out because we found out one of the kids was was cheating because like, you did not have to clean all summer and then we realized she was holding it in her hand and then flipping it over when she realized which one it needed to be. So, um, <laughs> so then, yeah. yeah, but um, just, you know, making and making everything a game. We're a very competitive, fun um, family. And so that was, that's just was big for our traditions is games. Um, it makes me think of a time we played a game in our front yard and everybody ended up crying. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody lost and somebody cheated. Right, right, right. We're like, right, right, right. we're yes. done. Right. We can't play games. You know. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we're going to get there, too. We're yeah. going to get there one day. Um, so, like, when the kids were little, we did stuff a lot because it was easy. I mean, you had your kids with you all the time. It was easy. But now that they're older and there's so many kids going in so many directions, I mean, that, that word intentional, you know, you have to make it happen. And I think right now for us it's like quality time maybe over quantity um so you know birthdays we make special and we make it as a family you know vacations mother's day every mother's day i make my kids take a hike with me they they complain the whole time but like but it's a good memory you know like like so you know it's just hard to coordinate with seven people um and that makes me sad a little bit because of the way our, our world is it's just so busy but you have to be intentional and you have to take you know quality over quantity right now Okay, so um, question. the next question is for Pam and Mallory, and I'll tell y'all we have 15 minutes. So, oh, wow. uh, I know. We can stay here all day. Who can you stay on? All right, so for Pam and Mallory, how do you deal with phones, technology, and social media? Okay, I'll, I'll be fast, but they're here to stay, aren't they? <laughs> so, and our kids are going to have them. They're going to use them. And um, so really what we focused on is being healthy with how they use their phones. Um, um, pornography is just a huge problem. And um, not really letting them go sit up in their rooms on their phones. That We don't let them do that. They don't, you know, do that so it is an easier um parenting issue but um with the boys with the girls it's the social media and the comparison and the FOMO the fear of missing out so um if you're home with your middle schooler and you're on a Friday night and y'all are having a family night just don't even let that daughter pick up her phone because the minute she picks it up and clicks on Instagram, she's going to see that so-and-so and so-and-so went and did this, and she might be having a perfectly great time with her family, but now all of a sudden she has that um, that bad feeling. So I would just say make sure you really help them use it in a healthy way. 
I totally agree. Um, hold off as long as possible if you have young kids and they don't have phones yet. Hold off as long as possible. You can go read all the evidence of why it's out there. Um, I think the biggest thing, kids cannot self-regulate their screen time. They cannot self-regulate, so you can't expect them to. Um, Apple, they have an easy uh, screen time app. You go in as a parent and you set how many hours you're willing to let your kids spend on social media, on games, different, different apps. You can set it. You have the password. And so they can't go in and change it because you're the only one that can do that. Um, so that's kind of what we have done. Um, you know, there's... You, uh, you talked about pornography. That's a whole nother... Um, road we can go down. It's scary. If you have a smartphone, your kids are one click away from seeing hardcore porn. They're one click away without even any warning. Um, so just know that. Um, be educated. You know, My Secure Family by Trey and Melody LaVorne, they do little speak, uh, you know, uh, conferences all over Birmingham. That's a great place to go and, and kind of learn, educate yourself. Um, our phones are plugged in at night in the kitchen. And I have each of their passcodes. So it's my phone. Like, they did not put any money down towards those phones. So they know that's mine. I get to look at it. And you're leaving it on the counter at night. And I can go in. I have your password. And I can, I can look at it all I want. So, you know, I'm not trying to scare them. I'm just trying to keep them accountable. Um, and then, um, you know, Instagram, it's connected to my Instagram account. You can do that. You can connect it so you can see. Snapchat, you can't. But what I've done with my kids is I've said um, my two older boys have Snapchat. My daughter does not. I've said, you know... I can open up any snap I want. I'll do it in front of you, but I, I can open it up and we'll look at it together. And the minute I see something that's not supposed to be there, then we take it off, you know? Um, so I just think you have to be educated as a parent and it's really scary. Well, okay. So for Valerie and Pam, the next question is at what age did you talk to your children about sexuality? Um, I did sixth grade with my daughter. My husband did the boys separate, um, and then I took care of my daughter. And she, we did something called Passport to Purity, and it was a great pro, uh, book. And then it came with tapes. Am I aging myself? CDs. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> that you listen to in the car. And we went on a weekend trip, and um, you had a little workbook and little things that you would go through and um, things like you'd put— I, you know, you'd have to get your materials together, but you bring two pieces of construction paper, maybe one pink, one green, and you put glue on it and stick it together. And then you're talking about how when you have sex, that you're always a part of you will be with the person that you had sex with. And um, so, and when you pull it apart, the construction paper is all stuck and you're pulling. So it's a visual that they can remember like, oh, wow. You know, so it's not just me saying you really don't want to have sex before you're married because, you know, it's more of a visual that could could stick with them. So Passport to Purity was a wonderful tool that I used for um, Hope. Um, I think we talked to our kids about it early, 
And I think the earlier you can do it, and I'm talking about like young, I think the better. Somebody's going to tell your kids about sex, so you want it to be you. Because the world is not going to tell them the right thing. Um, and so we took a class, um, Developing a Generation of Sexual Purity was the name of the book. Um, they're in Birmingham, Rob and Sean Grubb. And we set the kids down. I mean, I think Wills was eight. Owen was seven, six, and we put Gray in there. He was three. And, and don't don't worry. We told them that they were not allowed to enlighten their friends. That this was their parents needed to tell them. But but we talked about it early, so it wasn't embarrassing then. Like all those words that we were using, it was it like it was it, it wasn't embarrassing. Like it would have been had we waited until they were a little older, and then they would like cringe, you know, and get real awkward whenever we said it. So the earlier you can do it, in my opinion, is better because. The world's going to tell them if you don't, or their friends on the bus is going to tell them, and they're misinformed, and they're not learning, you know, the, the, the right thing about sex. Um, also, you have to address pornography, um, because pornography is, you know, it, it's our culture is over-sexualized, and it's perverting sex, and pornography has a big part of that. Um, and so I think it's important that you tell your kids what it is, and that that is not normal, like, that's not sex, that is not a consensual, loving, you know, relationship in the confinements of marriage. Um, and, and so I, you have to tell your kids that. And I, and I don't want to be like a downer, but the, I mean, the average age of porn, um, you know, a kid seeing porn is 11. And I think it's probably younger than that. So you have to address it and you have to address um, sex ed, I guess is what you would call it early on from a biblical perspective, not from a worldly perspective. Very good. Um, okay, so for all of you, how do you handle athletics, tryouts, uh, maybe not getting on the team, and then or getting on the team and your friend didn't get on the team? So um, tell us a little bit about that. Mm, I I don't I don't really know how to handle that exactly because we it just I mean. Our kids got on the team. I mean, for most of them, I don't, I'm not trying to sound I'll whatever. take it, Peggy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. no, no. I do have an athletic husband. I, 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 so I don't really, I mean, but, but here's one thing that I do know. Once they start playing, you have to keep your face like you don't have a f- emotion in the world. I mean, yes, happy with whatever, but you cannot let them, you can't let them see. If they mess up, if they do something, you can't be over there going, but, you know, they, they're up, they feel bad enough. You don't have to keep pouring salt on the wound. Try to remain as neutral as you can when you go to any of their functions like that is what I would, the best advice I could give. Um, well, we are an athletic family. We love sports. So um, Alex and I were both involved in it. And then having kids, we raised them in sports. So it's a big part of our family. And... Um, Number one, we it's a work when you when it is so much of your family, it can't be an idol. Right? So you cannot put all your emphasis or I mean it's fun, but make sure that it's not an idol in your life and that you help your kids appreciate the gift they were given, but make sure they're worshiping the giver and not the gift. So that's been um, big in our family. And then my husband coached starting off early, so he kind of set the set the um, tone for our family and his number one goal is that he wanted his players to love the game and his favorite most proud stat is when 
the next year when the teams were being made, I'm thinking football, if he, he had the most returning players. So it wasn't that they won the championship, but he would look at who was returning and who wanted to be on his team, and that made him go, okay, they love the game. You know, they, they're going to keep playing because there's so much good that comes from sports that mimic, mimics life. So um, respecting authority and, you know, being determined and working hard and disciplined and loving the game and loving your teammates, which in turn will help you respect your boss and love your coworkers and your family and your friends. And um, so and there's a lot of adversity there, too. Yes, yeah. overcoming adversity. And so which every child's going to have their adversity to overcome. As much as we love sports, we are late bloomers. And when I say we're late bloomers, like <laughs> my kids didn't even really grow till junior year. And when yes, you're a football player, that's tough. <laughs> so my, as for an example, my son grew up going to um, Coach Sweeney's football camps. And then the summer after his sophomore year, um, Coach Sweeney said to my husband, I see a fire in his belly. He needs to think about being a walk-on. And so, I mean, fired up, goes into junior year, working hard, done start. I mean, like he's thinking a coach has told him that he might can walk on and he can't even start at his high school, you know, so he was getting knocked down, but he didn't stop. He didn't quit and worked hard and then ended up being able to, you know, the summer before his senior year, he did get offered the walk on, you know, um, started, had a great senior year, went to college and earned a scholarship. But it would have been really, really easy to quit Quit. if we would have focused on the wins and the losses or were you a starter did you catch that ball it was more like did you lift up Johnny when he dropped that ball how was the locker room were you a leader was that fun Um, you know of course working hard and giving them every opportunity to develop their skill but it couldn't be our focus we had to focus on the love of the game um, first yeah um, so failing super hard. I hate to fail, um, but what's even harder is when my kids fail, when I have to watch them go through it. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of our generation, the parents are lawnmowering, you know, like making everything easy. And I've just decided that that's, I just don't want to do that. Like, I I don't want my kids to never have failed or have any um, things that they've had to persevere through and have to do it when I'm not there for them. So as hard as failure is, and it breaks my heart, like it does. I mean, that's so hard to see my kids go through that, but they have to, it's healthy. And, and I can be there for them to teach them that, Hey, you know, let's, let's pray about it. We're going to get through it. You're going to be stronger for it. Um, and so, so I think like when you don't make a team, like, yes, it, it really, it hurts. It does. I'm not saying it doesn't, but you're there to help them through it instead of how to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the last question for you is um, what piece of advice would you like to share and or what is something as a mom you would like other moms to know? And all of you can answer that. Okay, so one of the, one of the coolest things in the Bible to me is the Ten Commandments, right? And you're going to say the Ten Commandments? Mm, no, no, no. But, but 
they're so complete and they were given to us by God. But here's the most incredible thing about it. The first four are about your relationship with God. God says, don't take my name in vain. God says, love me and don't love any other. Don't make any idols before me. The next five deal with your fellow man, somebody else, that another human being that you're involved with, whether you're robbing, killing, all those don't kill, don't rob. All those things are 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 in, covered in that how to deal with somebody else. The last one is unbelievable to me that our God is so complete that he would say what? What's the last commandment? Anybody? Do not covet. Covet. That doesn't hurt anybody. If I covet, that doesn't hurt you. It kills me though. If you, if if you're, if that's you, if that's in your DNA to to want, boy, they've got a better house than I do. Boy, they've got their kids are, you know, you, it 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 kills you from the inside out, and it takes away your joy, and it takes away your, um, so to have a God that is that, that knows you that well. To know that if you sit around going, boy, I wish I had this, or I wish I had their this, it, it kills your joy. It kills your love. It kills your enthusiasm. And God, God said, don't covet. Don't covet anything. Don't want what somebody else has. Be happy with what I've given you. Be happy with this child I gave you, that I've entrusted this child to you. Do your very best for these children that I've given you. And that, to me, is like one of the most awesome things in the Bible. I mean, I know Jesus had some just drop-dead great ones. I mean, just <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable, where he's telling us to, you know, turn the other cheek and all that. I mean, just amazing. But this is so personal to eat to everyone. And that's why I love it so much. That's beautiful. Something to think about because... You know, we all have unique families and experiences. And that was one of my, when I came up, when I, when y'all asked me to share, I was worried about, I didn't never want to come across as prideful or anything like that because everybody has wonderful, unique families that God gave us. So thank you. That was, that was beautiful. And, um, kind of going back full circle to what, um, our first question is that I read an article that said, um, God has no grandchildren. And it was just such a unique way to put it because in my mind, when I was, when I pray for my kids, um, a lot of the times it was praying for stuff that I wanted for them. But, um, really, you know, it's what God wants because they're his children. He's given them to me and given me the opportunity to raise them, but they're his children. So, you know, for his will to be done, it's not his grandchildren, it's his, his children. So, um, that just kind of hit me home that it's a great perspective to have, to keep that in mind when you're, um, praying for your kids and wanting, um, you know, what you want is really praying for what God wants for them. So, um, so true. Yeah. And then also, because I know Ashley was on there, um, and I don't know, I meant to share this at another time, but um, one of the things that um, with my kids is um, I'll always say, 
you know, how am I doing? Like, what, what am I, um, as a joke, are you going to be in therapy later on for something I'm doing, you know? <laughs> but, um, you know, and they'll tell me, there will be, you know, this past weekend, my youngest son said, Mom, you're being passive aggressive. And I was like, am I? You he know, didn't really do that. Yes. Oh, and I'm like, man. oh, I didn't think I was, but no. if that's his perception, that's his reality. So, um, and I know, I think it was when we were talking about communication. I really, you know, that's a way to say, you know, how am I doing? Not, you know, not how are you doing too, but how am I doing as a mom? What do you need from me? Mm. So, so Ashley told me that you said that, so I tried it with my kids. How did it work? <laughs> they gave me like a 70%. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have asked. I'm like, okay, wait, not percentage, an A or a B or a C, and then it moved up to a B. So So maybe you'll say next week, how's my ratings this week? Yeah, that's right. We weren't eating the best dinner. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Uh, so, you know, motherhood is a calling, it is, and I know all of y'all are mothers, and I really think it's a calling from God to be a mom. we did as a family, I know, Ashley, we talked about this. We, we came up with a mission statement for our family. Um, and I know that sounds like something you would do at work or something, you know, like, but, but it ended up being really, really good for us um, because we sat down as a family and we did it. And we came up with a Carrington family mission statement. And this was not my idea again. This was Matt's. Um, and I kind of was like, oh, because this kind of stuff doesn't sound fun to me. But it ended up being really great for our family and our kids love it. And they had a say so in it. And so we, um, I'll just read it real quick. Um, the first thing is that we know and love God. And then we have a Bible verse that goes with it that, you know, we want our kids to memorize. Um, the second is love people. Um, the third is that we're going to serve others. We're going to serve people. And each of these have a Bible verse. Number four, we had to put speak kind words in there because it's just, it's a family. Yeah. Right. You know, right. We, so we added speak kind words in a Bible verse and then make a difference. And, it, and so like our kids know that that's what our family stands for. And so it's a, it was a great activity to do actually. And the kids liked it more than I thought they would. Um, but you know, my biggest thing to say, um, is, you know, pray for your kids, tell them that you love them a lot. Like tell them all the time, you know, when they're going to school, I love you. When they go to bed, I love you. When they walk out the door, I love you. And, and I always say it a few times that they don't say it back. Like, I love you. I love you. <laughs> you know, because sometimes they're mad at me or something. Um, hug them. And then also going along with the pain said, our kids belong to God. Like, you cannot love them more than God can. Like, he loves them infinitely more than we could ever love our kids. So I think having that perspective that, you know, think about how much you love them. And we have a God that loves us infinitely more than we could ever imagine. Wow. Can we give them a hand? Friends, thanks for joining us today. We will be back next Wednesday with another new story. We would love for you to rate and review us and subscribe to whatever platform you enjoy using. Be sure to follow Storytellers Live on social media for the latest news and announcements. We are grateful for you. We appreciate you choosing to listen to Storytellers Live today, and we hope that you'll join us again soon.